Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Well, I got a word that's burning in me today, and I'm, it's, 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 whether it encourages you or not, it's just going to, I'm going to preach to myself, and it's been a journey that I've been on this last year and what God's been teaching me. There's been a lot of seasons in my life where I'm like, I don't know, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And I think right now, a lot of the body of Christ is really aware of what the devil is doing in the earth. And I think it's time for us to be aware of what God is doing in the earth. How many of you know that God's not stressing out over whatever the devil's plans are, right? He's not stressed about that. He, um, he is always working, and he's working in your life, and he's working in my life. And I want to be really bold today. If you don't know what God's doing in your life, I think I know. Isn't that crazy? I think I know what God's doing in your life. And I think today you're going to come to some even deeper reality of what the Lord is doing in your life. So I want to talk on this subject. In God, we trust. Can you say that with me? In God, we trust. All right, we're going we're gonna to go on a journey with that. Now, I want to be vulnerable with you and just let you know that even though I'm a pastor and I'm a dad and I'm a husband, I have trust issues. I have times where I, like, I worry about my kids. Any parents ever worry about your kids, right? Let me tell you what, when, you, when you're three, two, and one, you worry about them, it gets worse. Anyway, um, the older they get, the more I worry about them. I, we got a 22-year-old, a 21-year-old, and a 19-year-old boy, girl, boy, and they all love Jesus. I still worry about them. I worry about our church. I worry about our, our nation at times. I worry about the tension, the division, the where's our, you know, where's our nation going? Uh, anybody with me, right? You're just like I, I, concerned about all the stuff that's going on in the world. Sometimes, you know, I hear your thoughts because I pastor people and I'm, people are worried about like, hey, am I going to lose my job? Am I going to get a job? You know, am I, am I going to get sick? Am I going to homeschool for the rest of my life? You know, uh, am I going to marry the wrong person? You know, if, I, if I marry the wrong person, I'm going to have the wrong kids. I don't want to have the wrong kids. The right kids are hard enough. And it's like, you know, then you think, well, what if I get the wrong job and I'm stuck in it and I can't get out of the wrong job? And then my kids need braces, and because I'm in the wrong job, I can't afford braces for my kids, and my kids marry the wrong person, and then I get the wrong grandkids. You know, it's like, we worry about everything, right? We get concerned about this. I have all kinds of scenarios that can go on in my mind. I worry about this, and I worry about that. And, and get, but I've, the thing that I, I've, God's been dealing with me is that in God you can trust. In God we trust. And so I want to talk on that subject, and I, w- I want to share out of a story of a guy that that I've related to this last year. And it's a guy by the name of Gideon. And Gideon, if you know anything about Gideon in the Old Testament, it's Judges chapter 6, you know that Gideon had trust issues. And my wife spoke on, with the women out of Judges 4 and 5, and so I'm going to speak out of Judges 6. For whatever reason, the Lord wants to talk about Judges 4, 5, and 6 to this house this weekend, and that was without us co- collaborating, collaborating. Judges 6, here we go. Check this out. Verse 11, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. So he's like, he's, he's scared the, the bully's going to steal his lunch money, and the Midianites are the enemies of the Israelites. So he's hiding out in the bottom of a wine press, threshing grain. And then the angel of the Lord, now check this out, the angel of the Lord appears to him and says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. You would think at this point when an angel of the Lord shows up, all your trust issues would be done with, right? You'd be like, oh, angel of the Lord shows up. No, this is what Gideon goes. Sir, 
Gideon replied. I just find that interesting. You're talking to the angel of the Lord, sir. <laughs> I don't know. And he says this, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Come on, we do the same stuff, right? Like, why has that happened? Why did he leave? Why did she leave? Why did, I, why did that happen? Why? You know, why, 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 why? And he, and he goes, why did all this happen to us? Where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Remember, he's talking to the angel of the Lord. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have. <laughs> Doesn't sound like very much. And rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. Listen, he still has trust issues. But, Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan's the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh. I'm the least in my entire family. The Lord said to him, I'll be with you. Tell your neighbor, God's with you. Come on, tell him, God's with you. God is with you. I will be with you and you will destroy the Midianites as if you were fighting against one man. How many of you agree with me that Gideon's got some trust issues going on? He's got some trust issues. Now, my wife and I had the, the privilege of, of traveling this summer to one of my favorite churches in America. And it's a pastor that I, I watch on the regular, the, one of the, world, the, the, the nation's largest churches. They have more people in their church than we have in our city. And, and so we go, and I'm so excited because it's the broadcast campus. We're in the parking lot. I'm like, to me, it was like Disneyland, you know, pastor's Disneyland. I'm like, wow, I'm at this awesome church. And so I'm here, and we're in the parking lot, which is to say the parking lot is big is an understatement. We park our car, and I'm kind of looking around. I got my bearings. I'm like, yeah, it's under whatever, L to whatever. And so I'm like, okay, got it. And so when we're coming out at night, I'm leading the crew because men are not directionally challenged. Come on, brothers, right? MapQuest was made for the ladies, not the men. And so, and so I'm, I'm going out, and my, my wife's questioning. She's like, are you, you sure the car's this way? I'm like, guaranteed, 100%. You can trust me. <laughs> anyway, I did it, led us astray. And the uh, <laughs> car was nowhere to be found in that neck of the woods. We eventually find our way to the car. Now, you might not be able to trust me on the way to what you're trying to find, but I'm here to tell you, you can trust God in every area of your life. Whether it be your health, whether it be your relationships, whether it be your future, whether it be your past or your present, we can trust God. Can I hear an amen today? Okay, I want to tell you a couple things about trust that you need to know before we talk about something about how we can grow it, okay? First thing I want you to know, a truth about trust. This is what trust feels like. Trust feels extremely risky. So I came to encourage somebody. Just because it feels scary to obey what God's telling you to do doesn't mean you don't trust him. In fact, God, I think, in this story with Gideon, he increases the risk. Gideon was scared to go against the Midianites. If you follow the rest of the story out and read it in Judges 6 and 7... He was scared to go against God's enemies with 32,000 warriors. And God goes, too many. And he whittled the army down to 300. So if you weren't, if you were scared, if you weren't scared before, which he was, obviously, now you're going to be absolutely petrified. And God goes, 300, perfect. 
Now, for sure, I'm going to get the glory. God did not remove the risk, the feeling of risk, when it came to trusting him and obeying him. He didn't do it for Gideon, and he doesn't do it for you. He doesn't do it for me. When we had the opportunity to plan our church, let me tell you our journey just for a moment. So I was, I, I was raised in, I'm not like, I'm first-generation pastor. We're, the, not only was there not pastors in our family, there was everything the opposite. And so came from just a mess of a family. My dad didn't, my, my, no one knew Jesus in our family. And my mom gets saved, and I grew up Catholic and, until I was 15. And then my dad got gloriously born again. And so my dad gets saved when I'm 15 years old. And we, 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 I'm a, we, my mom goes, we'll go to whatever church you want to. And the second church we walked into was an assembly of God. If you know anything about assembly of God, it's kind of similar to this type of a church where, you know, you're, people are raising their hands and, all, you know, in worship and all that. And so we, let me just tell you this. When it, from my experience from Catholicism to assembly of God, the pendulum swung. I'm just telling you, it swung. And so I'm walking in as a 15-year-old, and everybody's hands are in there. I'm like, man, wait for your questions till the service is over, right? It's like, and don't just say whatever you want to say. Only say what they say to repeat to say, right? It's like, come on. And and so I I then I'm raised from 15 years old on in that, and then I get the call of God in my life to do what I'm doing now, and to pastor and to preach the gospel. So. My wife and I are dating, we're, we're planning on getting married, and, and I get ordained in the Assemblies of God. Now, the ordination service was a big deal for me. It, was a big, it should be a big deal for anybody, called into ministry. And so there's, there's however many people there, there's probably 100 people being ordained in ministry. And I, I, I come down, and my, my wife-to-be comes down with me, and they lay hands on us, being ordained in the Assemblies of God. And I'm like, yes, yes, I'm so excited, you know. And, and they lay hands on, and they prophesy, and they say this, that whoever they were, uh, bishop, presbyters, I don't even know what their titles are, elders. And, uh, anyway, and they uh, lay hands and they go, this is not your long-term destiny. I'm like, I was kind of wrapping my mind around, what do you mean this is even a long-term destiny? Well, get ordained, and then just a, just a short time after, God starts burdening our heart to plant a non-denominational church. Now, let me tell you, when I was in the Assemblies of God, Catholicism, Assemblies of God, and... When you're in a denomination, at least this was my experience, might not have been yours if you ever were a part of one, here's what we think when we're part of a denomination. We know more than you. It's just, anyway, anybody with me? Don't leave me up here all alone. Um, And it's like pretty much, you know, just religious mindset. So here's what I thought about you, your kind of church, non-denominational, and the one that God was calling me to plant. I thought, y'all rebellious. You know, you're a bunch of rebellious Christians outside of a denomination, not under authority. And so God puts this burden in our heart. And so we go on this venture to leave everything I knew to plant a church that here's what it felt like. I hope it works. (laughs) Come on, right? Some of you stood at the aisle right there getting married. You're like, I hope it works, right? You start a business, and you're like, you feel like God told you to do it, and you're like, I hope it works. I just need you to know God doesn't remove the risky feeling. He doesn't. And trust feels extremely risky. Now for us in retrospect, after seeing what God has done, the scariest thing for us is to look back and go, oh, dear God, if we wouldn't have taken the step of faith. 
and just trusted God. I would rather take a step believing that I'm obeying God than wait for everything to be laid out for me so I have no risk. Listen, if there's no risk, there's probably no God involved in it. If you've got it all planned out like, oh, okay, now I got it all. Now I know exactly how to plan. Well, you start that business, but, and you'll know exactly what to do somewhat. But the more you study, the more scary it'll feel, and you'll realize, I don't know if it's going to work, but I feel like God's called me to do it. I hope raising these kids works or whatever it is God's called you to do. Trust feels risky, but that's the truth about trust you need to know. And it doesn't mean that you don't trust God because you feel like, oh, I'm scared. Okay, another truth about trust, and this is a big deal that I've, that I've learned just this year that God has just rocked my world on, is a lot of times I've discovered that people wonder, God, what do you want from me? What do you want from me? Do you want my relationship status? I mean, do you want, you want my money? Do you want, what do you want from me? God, I just want to know. And, and everyone's concerned about what God wants from them. I know what God wants from you. You want to know? Yes. You want to know? Your pastor wants to know. He already knows. What a nice pastor to be involved when he already heard the sermon. Go, Pastor Bob. I know what God wants from me because it's what he wanted from me. All he wants from you, this is a truth about trust. All he wants from you is for you to trust him. That's it. I love my wife more than anybody on the planet. And that's a good thing. Yeah, that's good. You know what? I trust her. I trust her. Crazy trust her. She crazy trusts me. I'm not like iPhoning her with the find my friend. Where is she? She's five minutes late. I don't trust her. I'm not doing that with her. I trust her with everything. If you don't know that's a possibility, you should have it. If you're a parent, you should have that on your phone. Because I don't trust them. <laughs> At all. <laughs> and if they ask me, Do you, don't you trust me, Dad? Nope. <laughs> I was your age one time. I don't trust you at all. <laughs> I love you, <laughs> but I just don't trust you. And all God wants from us is just for us to trust him because relationship is built on trust. And then I began to see it's everywhere in the Bible. Don't you love that when God begins to show you something? You realize, I didn't see that in the Bible. There, 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 there. It's like it's from the beginning to the end. Look at this. Jesus says this in John chapter 6. Jesus answered, this is the work. By the way, someone asked him, what can we do? What's the work of God that we can do? What's the work of God? Because I want to please you. What can we do? Jesus' answer is this. Well, this is the work of God. Here it is. Here's what you need to do. This is the work of God that you believe. Adhere to, trust in, rely on and have faith in the one whom he sent. So basically Jesus said, here it is. You want to know what it is? This is all I want. Just you to trust. That's it. And then he goes on in chapter 14. He says it again. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. And then I'm like, man, even the classic verses that we've got on our refrigerator, it's all about it. It says this. It goes, trust in the Lord, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. I see it from the Old Testament, the New Testament. All God wants from me is for me to trust him. Now, in my office for a decade, 
I had a scripture over the door, so I would see it every time I left my office, and everyone who was in my office would see it on the way out. And I had this scripture up there, and it wasn't until this year that I actually saw the whole scripture. Isn't that ridiculous? Ten years on the wall. Like, oh, that's one of my favorites. And it says this in Isaiah chapter 26. It goes, you will keep in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. That's not the rest. That's not everything of what I had on the wall. But that's all I really saw. That's all I saw because I was like, come on, keep your mind on God so you'll live in the peace of God. Keep your mind stayed on him and you'll live in the peace. And it was like, I was like trying hard here so I'd stay in peace because I want peace. Anybody? I, don't, I like peace better than worry. Anybody with me? I like it better. But that's not everything that was on my wall. And when God began to deal with me this year about here's all I want from you. This is the rest of the scripture. You will keep in him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. It's not really something you have to do. If you trust, this is what will happen. Oh, come on, somebody. Because he trusts in you, your mind will just be stayed on him. I trust my wife. I think my mind is stayed on her. Trust me. It's not mine. just stayed on her. I think about her. Miss her. She came here on Friday night and come till Saturday. Like, where's my wife? I miss my wife. My mind just stayed. Why? Because I trust. Yeah, same thing with the Lord. You keep in perfect peace. Same as mine said on her. Because he trusts in you. C.S. Lewis, if you've never read anything by C.S. Lewis, I highly encourage reading C.S. Lewis. Don't just read people, people's books who are alive today. You need to read some dead people. I'm serious. You got to read dead people because every, this generation doesn't, doesn't have like, you know, all the truth. We got to hear it from everybody. C.S. Lewis, great mind, great mind. He was like a left brain thinker and a right brain thinker. Like, you know, Chronicles of Narnia and, you know, it's just theology. I'm like, ah, you blow my mind. Well, in 1948, when he was questioned about the atomic bomb, he's like, Here's, here's what I say about the atomic bomb. Everybody was worried about the atomic bomb. And you can just throw in the coronavirus if you want to um, in this quote. Check it out. In one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an atomic age? I'm tempted to reply. I find it interesting. He goes, I'm tempted to reply. Well, you did reply. <laughs> anyway, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century, when the plague visited London almost every year? Or as you would have lived in a Viking age when raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night. Or indeed, as you are already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. In other words, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. Isn't this encouraging? Aren't you glad I came? <laughs> Why'd you bring that guy from Walla Walla? We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics. But we have that still. Still, it is perfectly ridiculous to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. This is the first point to be made and the first action to be taken 
is to pull ourselves together. I'm sorry, but I can't stop thinking about the Incredibles little cartoon movie. Pull yourself together! Anyway. Um, <laughs> no. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things, praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. They may break our bodies, a microbe can do that, but they need not dominate our minds. So in this last 18 months, there's been so much warfare over our thinking and so much warfare over our minds and, and, and the enemy trying to work in distrust towards God and seeing what the enemy's doing rather than what God is doing. And, 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 and so I've been on a journey. And, and, and I think you've been on a journey, whether you know it or not, that God just wants us to know in God we can trust. In God we can trust. And when we trust, it feels risky and it's still trust. And anything that all that God wants from us is trust. That's it. He doesn't want your money. When he asks for the tithe, it's not, because God, it's not because the streets of gold are running thin in heaven. He's like, he doesn't need our money. He wants our trust. He doesn't even need our trust. He just wants it. Because all relationships are built on trust. And so, it feels risky. It's all that God wants. Well then, if God wants it, how can I give it to him? How can I grow it? Because I've been in a journey where I realized I did not trust him as much as I thought I did. Pastor, when quoted in the newspaper, call me reverend. <laughs> I'm, I, I'm, anyway, never liked that title. So what do I do? I'm going to give you two thoughts. And this has been my journey. But I see it in Gideon. You ready? Ready? Two thoughts about how you can grow your trust and give God what he wants. I'm looking at you. Are you ready? I'm not speaking to the back wall. I'm talking to you. I'm looking in your eyeballs. You ready? Here you go. You want to grow your trust? Do you want to grow it? Obey scared. Obey scared. Well, how am I ever going to get married if I don't live the party life? Obey scared. Don't live the party life. Obey scared. How? How can I, I can't pay the bills with all my money. What am I going to do giving God 10%? What is that about? <laughs> Trust. Obey scared. Which is exactly what we did when we planted our church. We just obeyed scared. We're just like, I hope this works. <laughs> Obey scared. Whatever it is God's calling you to do, do it. And it's not that you have to ignore the fact that it feels risky. Just realize that God doesn't remove the risk. He doesn't remove it. Because if it was no risk, it wouldn't need faith. It's not trust if there's no risk. So just obey scared. James 1 says this. Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Now... However good of a communicator you think I am today, I don't really care. But I'm just here to tell you I'm better than I used to be. 
So however you like it today, you, you, it's better than if you would have listened to me 20 years ago. Trust me. I feel bad for the church 20 years ago. How did it grow? How did my ability to communicate grow? I just obeyed scared. Yeah, I studied how people communicate. Yeah, I, read, I got, got, got the word of God in me. But honestly, I just did what God told me to do. I just kept doing it whether I felt comfortable or not, and just obeyed scared. People start leading worship up here. You know how they do it? They didn't come out of the womb going, give me a guitar! <laughs> right? They didn't jump out of kindergarten and go, I want the platform. Well, some of them did. Some of, some of you are parenting that one right now. <laughs> they're like, they want the platform and they're seven. You're like, yeah, come on, I can do it better than Pastor Doug any day. Like, but for the majority of us, God calls us to something that's beyond our ability. He calls us to something that it, it feels really risky. And so how do I grow my trust? I just do it scared. I raise those kids scared. I parent those teenagers without them knowing I'm scared, but I do it scared. Start the business scared. I, I go to college. I, I apply for a college I'm not sure that I'll ever get accepted to, but I just apply scared. Don't know how I'm going to pay for it, but I just, I go to YWAM. I don't know what's going to happen over five, these next five months, but I do it scared. Excited, but scared. And that, my friends, is how your trust in God will grow. If you sit back and just wait for everything to f just feel so comfortable, you will wait your whole life. All right. And this last one, I'm so excited. I, anybody like me when it comes to birthday and Christmas gifts, you want to tell them what it is before they even get a chance to open it? That's kind of me on this point. You know, it's like, I'm not going to keep a secret. My wife knows, you ain't going to keep a secret. It's not going to happen. So just like, that's why I believe in buying last minute gifts. <laughs> Christmas Eve, I'm shopping. I'm going shopping. <laughs> so I, I began to realize that my trust in God needed to grow. God's very patient with me. God's very gracious to me. And I began to realize that God's got me on this journey and making me face my, face my own trust issues. And some of us are control freaks and you think you're in control. <laughs> this, you had nothing to do with the sun coming up today. <laughs> Zilcha. You'll have nothing to do with it going down tonight. And so last summer, I was freaking out. It wasn't, it wasn't COVID as much for me. It was a, a myriad of other things. And I'm starting to have panic attacks. I'm laying in, if you've never had a panic attack, just don't have one. <laughs> if you've had one, you know what I'm talking about. And I'm, I'm, I don't feel like I'm getting enough air. I'm breathing, my heart's racing when I'm laying in bed. And I'm like, <gasps> I feel like I'm, 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 I'm gasping for breath. And so there's just a, all kinds of scenarios led up to this. And so I go to the doctor, and the doctor, all he had to offer me was some medicine. 
take this medicine. Nothing against medicine. Some of you are on medication for anxiety or depression. It's great. You do whatever is good, right for you. For me at this stage, I was like, I, I want to hold on a little bit here. I want to see, God, is there, is there something else you're trying to teach me? There's something you're wanting to take me on a journey. And this is the journey, my friends, that he took me on about, do you trust me? It was very, very hard conversations that I had with the Lord. Some of this is therapy for me today. <laughs> and just hard conversations. It's like, God, I, I can't believe that I'm admitting to you my lack of trust in certain areas. I hate saying that to you. I hate it. But it was, God's like, I already know, by the way. <laughs> and I love you so much. These tender moments with the Lord. And he began to teach me some stuff. And this thought right here is one of them that I'm so excited to open it. I want to tell you the gift and you can open it on your own. You ready? You ready? I want to one thing I love about the Bible is you can read it dozens and dozens and dozens of times. And all of a sudden, you see a scripture, you go, I've never saw that scripture. That's what God did for me this year. Okay? Look at this. Proverbs chapter 22. Verse 17, listen, listen, Linda, listen to the words of the wise. Apply your heart to my instruction, for it is good to keep these, what's the word? Sayings, what's the word? It is good to keep these, what? Sayings, there's things that you are to say. You got to keep these sayings in your heart and always ready on your what? Okay, they're sayings and they're supposed to be ready on your lips. I'm teaching you today. Yes, you. I mean, like when you read the Bible, you're like, I wonder if this is for me. Yep, you. It's yeah, yes, you. <laughs> you're like, this is for you. I love that in the scripture. Why? So you'll trust in the Lord. Amen. Here's what I'm telling you. This is what the Lord began to reveal to me this year. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And so here's what I need you to do, son. You want to you replace this medication with my medication? Okay, yes, I do, I do. He goes, here's what I need you to do. I need you to have some sayings. I need them to be ready on your lips. So I need you to out loud declare scripture multiple times a day. This is what'll teach you to, to trust in the Lord. Repeat it out loud multiple times a day. Like some of you, you got your pill bottles, you got your vitamins, you got all that kind of stuff. And you're like, you're, you got Monday, you got Tuesday, you got Wednesday. You, got, you know you're gonna take it every single day. I take vitamins every single day. Here, add to that this, and I'm here to tell you something, your trust will grow. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and their sayings and they need to be ready on your lips. So I began to say things like this. It's like, you know what? I cast my cares on you because you care for me. I thank you that you provide all my needs according to your riches in glory. I thank you, God, that you're working all things out for the good of those who love and serve the Lord. I thank you, Father, that when I draw near to you, you draw near to me. I thank you, God, that you are close to the brokenhearted and you save those crushed in spirit that you're my refuge and you're my strength you're my stronghold in time of trouble these are all scriptures if you don't know and you begin to declare them out loud every single day not just once multiple times a day 
And look at this. I began to see this in the Bible. I'm like, oh my word. This is, this is, where, this is what the Lord is teaching us. Psalm 118, look at this. Up on the screens. Give thanks to the Lord for he's good. His faithful love endures forever. Okay, his faithful love endures forever. Can you say that with me? His faithful love endures forever. Now look at this. Let all Grace Harvest Church repeat. Say it again. Let Aaron's descendants, the priests, repeat. Let all who fear the Lord repeat. Okay, do you see it? Why do you think in the Bible it says just keep repeating it? Keep repeating it. It's a very simple statement, but you need to repeat it. His faithful love endures forever. So if that's all that you do, before you go to bed tonight, go like this. His faithful love endures forever. Wake up in the morning and go like this. His faithful love endures forever. At lunchtime, just go. His faithful love endures forever. I'm doing what the Bible says to do. Repeat. Repeat. Repeat it. Repeat it. Repeat it. Repeat it. Repeat it. I need to grow in my trust. So you know what? You may only need to repeat three times. I have to do it maybe 30 times. But I'm going to say it until I believe it. I'm going to say it until I can sense there's a transformation, there's a change. And oh, I, if I had time, I could tell you more. But I'm here to tell you, I felt ruts in my mind start getting filled in with the Word of God. And where there was easy for me to slip into negative thinking or worrying about my kids or worried about the nation, I began, His faithful love endures forever. And I began to say things like this, Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise His holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he does for me. He forgives all my sins, heals all my diseases. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm here to tell you, he redeems me from death. He crowns me with love and tender mercies, and he fills my life with good things. I don't even know how many times I've repeated that scripture. So many times. Just said it again. And my youth is renewed like the eagles. Boy, I say that part a lot the older I get. My youth is renewed like the eagles. I don't even know how that, what that really means, eagles. I don't know why I can't. My youth is renewed like a teenager. How about that? So I'm just repeating scripture and repeating scripture and repeating scripture. And I feel the power of the scripture working in me because the word of God is alive and powerful. And it transforms me. And it renews my mind. I still got the pill bottle as a reminder. I still got it. I don't plan on throwing it away. Not because I plan on using it, but because it's a reminder. There's another medication. Again, nothing against medication. If you're on medication, that's fine. Just add to it. There's another medication. And I'm here to tell you it's powerful. It'll calm your anxious mind. Did you hear me? I know what it's like to deal with an anxious mind. My grandma was committed to a mental institution. I know what it's like to have the devil talk to me about that. I know what it's like to feel like I can't catch my breath and to have ruts in my mind that want to go to negativity. But I also know what it's like to have my trust in God grow so strong that my mind gets clear again and my heart beats normal and my breath is strong 
and my faith in God is secure, I also know what that's like. And trust me, I like that better.